0: We are on to Seattle here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. We got injury reports. We got previews. And we have crossover Thursday with Locked On Seahawks. Jam-packed episode today on the show.
1: You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Today on the show, we're talking about the first injury report and some other news and notes among the Vikings from over the course of the week. We are talking a little bit about some key matchups against the Seattle Seahawks, and then we are talking to Corbin Smith on Crossover Thursday to try to get ourselves situated for really breaking the Seahawks down, which will be for tomorrow's episode. So a little bit of an initial look at the Seahawks. Before we get into that, I want to point you to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Obviously, the Vikings are in the Owen tombstone. They're dead. It's over. And if you agree with that, if you think it's completely over, you're ready to look at draft season. Check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. It's a daily podcast just like this one about the NFL Draft with Ryan Tracy. He's got the analytics, Eric Crocker. He is bringing the scouting and you can get a head start on draft season. But I'm not ready to do that yet because we still have 15 games to cover and by golly, I'm going to cover all of them even if the Vikings don't win a single one, which who knows, right? Stranger things have happened. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the roster stuff. So yesterday I could have uh, reported on I didn't get around to it. The uh, quick roster move that the Vikings made. They p- activated Sean Mannion to the proper 53 man roster and they released Amir Abdullah and put him back on the practice squad. I'm pretty sure. So uh, Abdullah is back on the practice squad. He still has one game day practice squad elevation left. Um, I believe if it's this week and it is a COVID replacement for Harrison Hand, who's on COVID-19 IR, we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, I don't think that will count towards that. So you could actually kind of get a sneaky free one. Um, but he is back on the practice squad, Sean Mannion on the true 53. He's out of practice squad elevation. So he'll probably be on the 53 for the rest of the season. And um, he will be the backup quarterback now from here on out. Uh, so what's interesting about that, is that they did not create the roster... Like, they cut a guy to make the roster spot. And that was a guy that they had cut to... that they had cut earlier in the season too, right? That's Amir Abdullah who's probably, you know, basically functionally on the roster, but they have been kind of doing those roster things with him. He still has the same like vested veteran benefits. He's not exposed to waivers. He can go directly on the practice squad. And I think, I'm sure they have an agreement in place that he's not going to go somewhere else. Um, it seems like that doesn't seem like anybody's interested anyways. It is interesting that they did not make a roster spot by putting Anthony Barr or Christian darasa on IR. And those two guys are basically out in this like weird, indefinite space where we have no idea how long they're out for. Um, It should be noted that Anthony Barr practiced again on Wednesday. Um, If my arthritis theory is correct, and you can listen to a previous episode for that one, basically based on a surgery that he got in 2014, which is the same surgery that Irv Smith did not elect to get because he was worried about long-term complications. Well, forever ago, uh, Anthony Barr got the long-term complications version of that surgery, I think. And... Now he's might be seeing some long term complications, um, the way that his injury has behaved the way his other injury history kind of manifests itself. I think he has an arthritic knee, which is a pain management issue, a stiffness issue and stuff. And they have to learn the nature of the injury, um, which would also explain why he practiced for one day before week one, and then went back into uh, went back into the basement, basically. Um, so now he's practicing again. So what's going to be really interesting is if he practices on Thursday. So by the time you're listening to this, you might actually know the answer to that. Um, but that'll be really, really interesting. Also limited on the uh, injury report, Patrick Peterson with a toe, Eric Kendricks with a hip, not the quad from before. Uh, Everson Griffin still limited with his concussion, but nice to see him back at practice and Bashad Breeland with a back shoulder injury. I think he actually has suffered two separate injuries. So we'll have to see how all those guys progress over the week. Also, Dalvin Cook with an ankle DNP. Um, he's the only DNP on the day. Obviously, that would be really rough to lose him. Um, but for whatever it's worth, everybody in the organization and media when asked about all this did not seem particularly worried about it. But again, we'll just have to see how this progresses over the course of the week. So that's all the injury stuff. I do think it's really interesting. Like you can kind of read into the way the Vikings create their roster spots um, it, it with Barr and Derrissaw in particular. If they were expected to be out for more than three weeks, they would have gone on IR at the point where they learned that, right? And with Barr especially... Like, he was, he sat out all summer, he practiced, they they didn't put him on IR because they thought they were going to have him for week one, they practiced him the Wednesday before that, and then he wakes up the next day, his knee flares up, and they have to shut him back down, but again, they didn't put him on IR, and they had a moment where they needed a roster, a couple moments where they needed a roster spot, and they did not put him on IR. So they really do, I think they really are treating him as a week-to-week proposition, Um, and that is probably encouraging. And I think the same thing with Christian Derrissaw. Now, the thing I always have to say about Christian Derrissaw is that, look, Rashad Hill has the job in camp. That was supposed to be a battle. That was a 50-50. We did not know who was going to win the battle. So just because Derrissaw is healthy, like if he's active and he dresses, that does not mean he's going to start over Rashad Hill, who currently has the job until he loses it. He hasn't played very well. Um, I thought he did admirably against Chandler Jones, and he was obviously a disaster with all the holding penalties in week one, um, and the game against Chandler Jones wasn't exactly good, it was just like, ah, you kind of held up reasonably against a superstar, and you only got beat uh, so many times, but it wasn't like a good game, so we'll have to see how that all breaks out, um, but I want to kind of transition and talk about the Seahawks a little bit. I want to talk about some of the matchups I think are going to be important. And then of course we've got Corbin Smith coming up of locked on Seahawks who will tell us a little bit more inside info on that team. But first let me tell you about your car. Is your car stocked with all of the supplies that you need? Do you have a a snow brush or an ice scraper in your car? That season's coming up faster than you wish it was, right? Uh, Are you prepared if you get stuck on the side of the road? Do you have a tire kit in your car? Do you have jumper cables if you leave a light on or a door open? Um, All that stuff is the kind of thing you want to have in your car before you need it. And if you need that stuff, go to rockauto.com. You can get all of those supplies and even more advanced stuff. You get gaskets and valves and things. If you're a DIY kind of person fixing up your car, you can get basically anything you need for your car at rockauto.com. Their their catalog is super expansive. And if you enter your make your year and your model, it'll sort through all the stuff that isn't compatible with your car. So, you know, you're getting something that you need and then type whatever uh, in the search bar. And then at checkout at there is a how you heard about us section. Um, make sure you let them know that locked on sent you because if you don't, the bunnies are never going to let me see the light of day again, rock auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So let's finally talk about the Seahawks, Seahawks one and one coming off of this extremely disappointing loss against Seattle at home. Now they go on the road. um, And I think both teams are coming off of these like really disappointing moments. You know, at least the Seahawks have one win. But both these teams, I think, are going to be really angry coming into this one. And that is going to, I think, affect the game. The emotion of the game is going to be, I think, really important. There are a few matchups that I want to highlight just kind of off the bat bat things that like really uh, stick out to me. Um, the first one is at center. Uh, so the Seahawks have a huge problem at center right now. Ethan Posick is usually their center. He's on IR and he won't be able to play in this game. And the backup, his name is Kyle Fuller, which is hilarious because he plays center like he is a cornerback. <laughs> He's been horrible. He has been by every match, like go by PFF, which has been the harshest people I think on Garrett Bradbury ever they think Kyle Fuller is worse than Garrett Bradbury. I think that illustrates it very well. Now, I have not watched him, so I'm not going to tell you to take that on faith um, because, I I mean, I haven't told you to take Garrett Bradbury's PFF grade on faith, so why would I do it with the Seahawks? Uh, But I think the way the Seahawks talk about him as well, I think it's probably safe to say he has had a pretty rough time, um, and he gets potentially one-on-ones with Michael Pierce. Now, Michael Pierce took Trey Hopkins to the cleaners a couple times. Um, So against a poor center and Trey Hopkins is a struggling center who's like coming off an injury and stuff. So against a struggling center, Mike Pierce might be able to actually get involved in the pass rush. And that'll be huge against Russell Wilson. And it allows you to do something that you couldn't really do against rodney hudson um the cardinals have a very good center rodney hudson he's been great in for the raiders for forever and uh he's still good in arizona and so you couldn't get a lot of interior pressure which means the edge rushers had to be more aggressive and that means they had to fly in at kyler murray and kyler murray could evade them roll out and make it a broken play right and a bunch of bad plays happened there um if you can get pressure with the interior you can have your edge rushers play a little bit more conservatively and you can ask them to do more uh Contain and to play contain and and basically re- remove the ability for Russell Wilson to break outside of the pocket um, and pressure him from the interior. So have a guy come directly at him and he can't go left and he can't go right because uh, Daniel Hunter and Wanham or Weatherly or whoever on the other side is you know blocking him from doing that. Uh, you can get a much better chance at actually turning that into a sack instead of just like broken play nonsense. And I think limiting the broken play nonsense should be an emphasis for the Vikings this week, considering what happened last week. So if you want an exciting matchup, it is that the the Seahawks have a worse center than the Vikings, even as low as anybody can get on Garrett Bradbury. I'm a little higher on him. Obviously I'm, I I defend him um, because I think that there's something to be said for degree of difficulty. And I think he's done a uh, reasonable job of setting all the protections against the Blitzes, especially against Arizona. I thought he did a really good job of of setting up the Vikings line to be prepared for the aggressive Blitzes that Vance Joseph threw at them, and that's why Kirk Cousins wasn't under a lot of pressure. Um, And I I guess I should transition to, because that is a uh a a challenge in this one because the Seahawks have Jamal Adams and Jamal Adams you'll you'll hear me talk about Jamal Adams a little bit in the thing with Corbin coming up um but I kind of see him and Corbin doesn't agree but I'm gonna still say it I kind of see him as the Anthony Barr for the Seahawks He is a blitzing, kind of really physical player that's really good in coverage, this sort of incredibly versatile guy that can go and do whatever the scheme needs him to do, and that means that you can fake him doing anything, and it's believable, and that's super valuable to a defense. Um, Now, the Seahawks defense has struggled a lot, especially against the Titans, who... Just like when we were scouting the Cardinals, the Titans are a very similar team schematically to the Vikings, and so it gives us a good blueprint for what the Seahawks want to do against that particular scheme defensively. But Jamal Adams, as a part of blitz packages, makes them very, very dynamic because he is a genuine threat off the edge, and it is probably irresponsible to do what you would usually do. So with Adams and with Barr, usually, for a linebacker or a safety coming off the edge, you would assign a tight end or running back to block him. You basically say, okay, running back, you know, if it's a play action pass or something, or just a pass where the running back isn't part of the progression, you keep him in the protection and you say, Hey, a guy is blitzing and your job is to block him. And because it's a a slot corner or whatever, you know, the fact that you're a tiny running back, isn't going to kill you. You wouldn't put the running back on a nose tackle. There's a size mismatch there with bar and Adams there is a mismatch there because those guys are such good pass rushers that most teams are going to have to put an offensive lineman on him. And that gives you all of the leeway in the world to either just send him in a blitz or to sim pressure or something like that and and to, uh, you know, fake a pressure and use him in a way to kind of screw up the protection. So Garrett Bradbury is going to have his work cut out for him mentally uh, in terms of, and I think physically too, because the, the Seahawks have a reasonable interior. But mentally, he's going to have his work cut out for him in trying to keep Jamal Adams from getting unblocked sacks and getting in on Kirk Cousins. Because Jamal Adams is fast, Kirk Cousins is not going to be able to break that pocket. If Jamal Adams is coming, Kirk Cousins is just going to fall down. That's just what he does in the face of that of, of that pressure. He's going to fall down. Don't fumble. Don't throw a stupid interception. Don't do something dumb. That is, I think, what he sees as the best option in that case. So it's going to be up to Garrett Bradbury mentally to keep Jamal Adams from destroying plays before they start and make sure that if he's coming, you got him blocked. But... Don't just blindly put a guy on him every time because sometimes he'll back up off into coverage and now your protection's screwed up. It's a very similar problem and it's one that they've practiced that he's practiced against a whole bunch with Anthony Barr in practice and stuff. So that is, is going to be a really, really interesting matchup. Um, and the last one I, I think is that I want to talk about at least so far is DK Metcalf versus whoever he gets at corner. So the Vikings play sides at cornerback. Um, Patrick Peterson will always be on the defensive right. Bashad Breeland will always be on the defensive left. Now, Breeland and Peterson are both limited, so you might have Cameron Dantzler or Chris Boyd in either or both of those places. Um, DK Metcalf versus Cameron Dantzler is also always a very, very interesting one because you got a little Egg Bowl rematch, right? You got Ole Miss versus Mississippi State there. Um, but also you have you know these two young guys that have struggled against like Tyler Lockett, who is has produced at an unbelievably insane clip and dk metcalf who's basically like a greek god in cleats (laughs) and you know that's obviously this huge mismatch and what's really scary about it so let's say you have one of patrick peterson or bishabreland and the other one doesn't play now they're limited we got to see how they go over the week um but if either one of those guys doesn't play and you have a backup they play sides the vikings play sides so that means the Seahawks can put whoever they want on the left and whoever they want on the right, and it allows them to dictate the matchups. The advantage of this for the Vikings is that it it, it removes one layer of entropy from your alignments, and it's one less complicated thing that you could possibly make a mistake over, so it'll limit mistakes. Um, but it allows the other team to dictate the matchups. But the thing is, if you're a cornerback, you know, if there's not a functional difference in quality between your cornerbacks, if you don't have somebody that's so good, he should shadow like, you know, 2017 Xavier Rhodes, who shadowed all the time, um, then you might as well put them on the same side and, and reduce that layer of complexity because it doesn't do much for you. So, um... That is obviously a matchup that we can be really, really scared of. So I, I think we have one we can be really confident in with uh, Kyle Fuller versus Michael Pierce. We have one we I, that I think is just interesting and really key in Jamal Adams versus Garrett Bradbury in the mental side of it. And then you have one to be really worried about with DK Metcalf versus whoever ends up covering him all day. Um, Coming up next is going to be Corbin Smith coming in for Locked on Seahawks. He is going to disagree with me about Jamal Adams and talk to me a little bit about their secondary, talk to me a little bit about their offensive scheme and how they've kind of tried to evolve things with Russell Wilson. Some really interesting conversations. So um, stick around for that for sure. But first, let me tell you about a good old Gramble. Today is Thursday night. I took the Panthers plus seven and a half. Some people think I'm really stupid for doing that. Um, But I don't know. I just believe in that Panthers front and the Texans are starting Davis Mills. Let's get in there. Uh, If you want to bet or short, that if you disagree with your bet on anything. Bet online is the number one spot for all pro and college football action. Vikings currently one point home underdogs going into this Seattle game, so you can basically. Pick who you want to win, and that's who you bet on. Uh, so head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device. You can sign up and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit. Put in 100 bucks, you get 200 to gamble with. And don't forget to use to get that. You got to use the promo code NFL100. NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. If you can just go log on and play a little blackjack, don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Also want to. Talk to you about an app that can save you a little money when you get gas. You can save up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up if you download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. And if you use promo code Touchdown, you can get a bonus 25 cents that adds up to 50 cents a gallon cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get gas. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free. And again, that's promo code Touchdown to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. If you drive a whole bunch, you can get like two or three hundred bucks in cash back and there's no catch. The cash just gets added right to your account and you can cash out anytime using your bank account, PayPal, e-gift card, Amazon, other brands. Just download the free get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. All right, everybody, it's Crossover Thursday and we're kicking it off. It's Seahawks week. It's time for the craziest two teams to go uh, get together in an afternoon game indoors and see what sort of laws of physics and uh, magic they can break. And to break that down or attempt to, uh, I got Corbin Smith here of Locked On Seahawks. Corbin, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, man. I'm just glad to be moving on from Sunday and start looking fresh. Towards another it. game. <laughs> yeah,
0: tell me about it. A uh, bit of a rough one for the both of our teams, huh? So, yeah,
1: I was. I was initially like, "Man, you guys couldn't beat the Cardinals," because I thought at that point the Seahawks are going to win their game, and then yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, whoever makes those decisions decided no. Uh, the football gods decided that's not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the Titans uh, decided to make things uh, miserable for the 12s this past week. So
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and they handed the Cardinals a blowout too. So. But let's talk about your Seahawks. So obviously, you know, Seahawks are one and one. And this is a much different Seahawks team than the ones that we all fell in love with in the middle of the 2010s. You know, the Legion of Boom. I think I saw somebody call it like the Legion of Room. (laughs) So what's going on with that secondary? Are are you guys okay? Well, they've got two really good safeties. The
1: problem right now is the cornerback group. And this was an issue going into the offseason. They let Shaquille Griffin go. To the Jaguars in free agency. And quite frankly, I think that was the right move. The money that the Jaguars paid Shaquille Griffin, I think he's good. I wouldn't call him a great or elite corner. So that was money that they were better off spending elsewhere. The problem is the replacement that they signed was Akella Witherspoon, and he's now wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform because he couldn't hold on to the starting job that they gifted him in training camp. So now DJ Reed and Trey Flowers, who has been the starter for. Now, the better part of three seasons, the Seahawks know who he is. He can be a serviceable starter when he's at his best. But when he's not his best, he can be exploited. And the Titans were able to do that last week with their standout receivers. So I I don't think it's out of the question. Right now, I would anticipate Trey Flowers and DJ Reed are going to be the starters as they have been going into this game. But if one or both of them struggles early in this game – I could see Sidney Jones making his debut in the secondary for the Seahawks. They really like him. Former second-round pick for the Eagles. He's had Mm -hmm. injury issues, but he's got really good athletic traits. He has great ball skills. They have not been able to get their hands on any footballs to speak up with their corners up to this point. So I would not be shocked if we see Sidney Jones at some point in this game, especially if one of those players, uh, most definitely Trey Flowers, how he played last week. If he struggles, I could see Sidney Jones being the guy. But, There's a lot of question marks there that a lot of fans are upset about because they're like, you knew this was an issue in the offseason. So why didn't they do more to address it? And now it's kind of rearing its ugly head here early in the season.
0: Yeah, well, I'm familiar with that struggle, especially like offensive line and stuff. But we'll talk about that for your show later. Um I, I want to talk a little bit about Jamal Adams. Obviously, he signs this big contract. You have paid so much for him. Um, I've always thought of him as the kind of Seahawks Anthony Barr, and people kind of joke that he's like actually a linebacker because he's the best pass rusher on the on the Seahawks and stuff. Um, but it seems like he's just that kind of chess piece guy that you can ask him to do basically anything in coverage. You can ask him to be part of the blitz package and do all this stuff. Uh, is he d- does the offense re- or does the defense revolve around Jamal Adams the way that I think it does, or am I getting too wrapped up in his name value?
1: To be honest, I I don't think that it does. It it feels like right now to me, they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And it's interesting that I feel that way because last year I thought the second half, they really figured out how to best utilize Jamal Adams. They weren't blitzing him quite as much in the second half, but when they were sending him, he was extremely efficient. And they started to move him around a little bit more in terms of coverages, and it just seemed like he was more comfortable. Early on, you could tell he was in a new defense and struggling, but they're playing him a lot back as a too too high deep safety right now, around Mm -hmm. four and helping out those corners probably. And I just don't know that that's utilizing him correctly because I'm not going to sit here and say he's a linebacker. I don't necessarily agree with that, but okay, he's kind of that. Minka Fitzpatrick type that you can move all over the place and I think he's got better ball skills than people realize the problem is though his best asset to you is his ability to fly into the backfield and he's so good at timing his pass rushing blitzes and they just haven't been doing that very much he's only been sent I think nine times the first two games they're not blitzing him very often and Pete Carroll's kind of hinted at we're not going to do that Which makes me wonder, are you really maximizing the player that you have there? Because I think he's a phenomenal talent, but he hasn't made any splash plays these first two games. And so you're wondering, are you getting your bang for your buck, the money that you just spent on this guy, when I think he's more than capable of doing it? So I I don't feel like this defense revolves around him. It feels like they're trying to find a way to mesh him with what they want to do. And they're still both in a learning curve here, which 15 games in, I don't think that's what fans wanted to hear.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they're just trying to protect those corners then with like putting him in the backfield or something. But I want to flip to the offense also and talk about it because this is a different Seahawks offense than what Russell Wilson has had over the last like decade. You guys took a Sean McVay clone and are doing the Sean McVay thing. How is that going?
1: Well, in week one, it looked really good. They were running a lot more pre-snap motion. You had a lot more involvement mm-hmm. in tight ends. The offense was more balanced, which I know Pete Carroll was excited about that. And with the running back talent they have, they should be running the ball a fair amount. I mean, that's that's the roster that they've got. Their personnel is built to be able to do that. But then against Tennessee, I I was waiting for Shane Waldron. I've joked about this the last couple of days. I was waiting for him to take his face off and realize it was Brian Schottenheimer because the (laughs) offense looked like a carbon copy of the second half last year. It was stagnant. There was very little motion, one target to the tight ends, the entire game and the Titans were running a lot of their too deep stuff. And they were disguising into too deep to take away Mm -hmm. those deep balls. And it still didn't work a few times because they had the worst busted coverages I've ever seen, but that's beside the point. The, the They've had an is, issue with that. <laughs> they were all or nothing. The entire game, they got some explosive plays, they benefited from a quick turnover from their defense to get another touchdown in the second quarter, but they really couldn't get any rhythm going and it just it felt like I was watching the offense they were trying to move away from that really struggled hmm. the last couple months last year. And so, the jury's still out. I think that Sean I, I think that Shane Waldron's going to be a good OC. I think he's going to be a good fit, but Last week was kind of a, uh, a little bit of a regression that fans weren't ready for after what they saw in week one. So they're hoping to see more of those uh, motions and more of the tight ends being involved and a, a running game that's got some deception to it. Those were elements that were there in week one that, quite frankly, were not in week two. And so fans are going to be hopeful that they can see the week one version of Shane Waldron in Minnesota and not last week's.
0: That's interesting, because you can really like that's the kind of stuff you should be able to see when when you have a lead and the Seahawks were protecting the lead for most of that game. But I, I want to go in and like watch all of that stuff. It's super interesting. I want to watch all the pre snap stuff that happened between the offense and defense and, and and all of that. Corbin, thank you so much for pointing me in the right direction. I'm super excited to go watch some Seahawks and, and, and get to know this team. Um, for those who can't see the YouTube version, uh, tell people where they can find you.
1: You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those main platforms. Just search Locked On Seahawks. And like your show, uh, the entire Locked On Podcast Network, five shows a week.
0: Free on all platforms, baby. Thank you so much, Corbin. No problem, man. All right, I want to go way, way deeper on a lot of the stuff Corbin said there and uh, just the Seahawks in general. So I am going to grind a whole bunch of tape and I will be back tomorrow with what I find. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, where I'll probably be posting some clips, shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. I really hope that this is your first listen of the day. Your second listen should be the Locked On Bets podcast. With your boy Q and Lee Sterling, they will get your Gramble straight. I think they're batting like 62%, which is an insane clip against the spread. So go listen to their advice, make a little money. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.